When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead Orbach 1d6 damage at a time. And folks, let me be the first to say, may the fourth be with you. What's that? You say you've actually heard that an annoying number of times? And also that it's early September? Well, yeah, you got me. But this is the fourth time we've reviewed a Star Wars RPG. And it is one, the one with mechanical ties to 4th edition D&D. So fuck it, I'm saying it anyway. Will this fourth game be our new hope for a Star Wars RPG we'd both actually play? Find out about Star Wars Saga Edition on today's System Mastery. Welcome back to System Mastery, the podcast where we make fun of role-playing games unless they're good, in which case we still make fun of them a little bit. I'm Jeff, and that's John right there. John, how are you? I'm doing probably much better than you. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not actually doing that bad. Uh, you know, folks who follow us on Twitter or Blue Sky or are in our Discord or anything like that might know that I've I've been going through the COVID yeah, you you got um, you got them covids. I I well actually I don't. Uh as of this morning I got a negative test. Hooray. Yeah, so I I think I may be on the other side of it. We are still recording remote. So if we sound a little weird or distant to each other or whatever you want to however that quantifies, that's because out of an abundance of caution, the fact that I've been knowingly negative on covid for almost 3 hours is not good enough for yeah. safety purposes to have John come over and record. So we're doing one remote recording. Probably two, because we're going to do bonus content. And then uh, in a couple of days, we'll get back to our regular schedule. Yeah, if if we sound a little distant, it's not because we, we're angry at each other, and Jeff definitely knows what he did. Also, it's not your fault, listener. This is this is between John and me. Don't, you don't, don't kick yourself over this. Yeah. These things just happen. It's just, you know, sometimes people grow apart. <laughs> yep. Sometimes people grow apart because of a virus. That's right. Cyrus and the sometimes virus. Sometimes they grow together because of a virus. Also, a weird Cyrus body the virus. horror virus. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. I mean, other than I have residual nose congestion that I'm working through, but I think that's just because part of the inside of my face is broken, and anytime I get nasal congestion, it will just last for a year, which means getting sick for me is just an ongoing concern. But other yeah. than that, I feel like I- I'm a okay, and I have been for a while. Like. I, I'm pretty sure I got COVID at the gym because no one else in my family got it. And the moment I got a positive test, which was, I feel slightly sick, I'm going to test, I pretty much moved into our garage office. So I've been out here on an air mattress with a computer uh, and my switch, and I only go inside to use the bathroom huh. um, for like five or six days, which that, if you're, if you're saying you feel a little worse than me right now, then yeah, living in the garage sucks. Yeah, I would have to imagine that's not great. Uh, I'm not a fan, but, you know, I really, really didn't want anyone else in the family to get COVID. Especially, It's dangerous. And also, Sage is in the middle of school. Florence has work. 
and we could just constantly be reinfecting each other with with uh, varying infection windows. Yeah. Well, so I, you know, for the purposes of the family, I just lived in a garage like a filthy animal. It's good. You became a little raccoon for a while, and that's fine. I had to assume I was bothering the neighbors at least a little bit because. Uh, the reason I had the switch out here and a little monitor for it was so I could do Wii Fit, because I can't go to the gym. Yeah. So I was out here, like, jogging in place and doing squats and shit, and probably making a lot of annoying noises. So, you know, apologies <laughs> in advance to anyone who heard that, which was, you know, unless you're our neighbors and you listen to this, it's probably no one. <laughs> and it, and it and, wouldn't and be I, apologies in advance anyway. And we all know that nothing makes more noise than some old guy doing squats. That's the noisiest <laughs> thing around. It's, it's the jog, it's the jogging in place, that, and and that is the number one thing that game requests of you is is uh, oh you have to run down this long track so jog in place. And I I am so bad at jogging in place without going forward an annoyingly small amount. <laughs> Because it'll be like, just jog for four minutes. And during that self-in-place jog, sometimes they're going to ask you to do like high leg lifts to get through, I don't know, a, a pretend a, a pond or up some stairs or something. And I will have bonked into the desk that's right by the garage door within two minutes and have to kind of jog in place slightly backward to get back to where I was. <laughs> it is it is maddening. Uh, that's unfortunate for you. Yeah, well, at least I had such mild COVID that I could do in garage working out um with a with a Wii fit. So there, at least there's that. At but least how are you? That. Uh I'm great. No problems with me. I beat Baldur's Gate three last night, so everything's <laughs> wonderful on my side. Nice. You know, I feel like I should have probably gotten a lot farther ahead in that game over the past couple of days being holed up in a garage like I was, but I barely played it. I'm still in the act one under dark. Yeah. You're you're real far behind. <laughs> That's okay. I'm savoring the experience. That's fine. You can do that. I yeah. mean, I basically was for a while in the last act of the game. I would do like an encounter a night. Really? Wow. I assume they just get way more intense. Oh, yeah. And, you know, act three has the problem of like, if you want to change out characters, it's going to take you an hour to like get all the gear and crap that you've got on one person and put them on another person. But you can't just do that unless both of them are in your party. And if you don't want that other person who you're taking the gear off of to be in the party, you got to take someone else out and then you got to talk to them to get them in and out. It's a whole fucking process. So Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, like I'm already at the point and I've just like left the the forest map from the start of Act 1 to go to the Underdark. I have so much magical gear that I'm like, I can see a situation where I would want this later, so I'm going to put it in a box instead of just selling it. And I've already like, oh god, when I get to this level, I'm going to have to dig through this box and find this helmet that does this one thing. Yeah, it <laughs> there's there's a lot of complicated shit to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop holding on to things because I'm like, oh, well, if I if I specifically need for a very narrow scenario, I'd want this weapon instead of this one. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck that scenario. If it happens, fuck me, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I'm just seeing if, if the shit that is solid and good in regular fifth edition will also be good here. Uh, I'm just going to run a polearm master paladin build and i know that's solid and dependable and functional in 5e i'm gonna see how it works here all right so anyway you know sorry what are we gonna D &D, say D, we've got speaking of sort of D, basically D, D a little bit of a basically D, D. this is so yeah we've got star wars saga edition finally and we we uh for a long time we had no copies and now we both have copies which made this a very easy one to do while we were separated from each other uh it's great uh, got, uh a couple different people like 
reached out to us about getting copies to us because we had mentioned wanting to do it. So, you know, big, big thank you to those people that uh, gave us copies. Yeah, because this game's cool. I'm, I'm happy that we got a chance to read through it. I'm, uh, I- I've heard a lot about it, obviously. This is a game that, that goes, uh, that has kind of a reputation as being an incredibly interesting game, largely because of when it came out and what it was trying to accomplish. Uh, it's Wizards of the Coast. And it came out in 2007, so one year before 4th edition D&D came out. Yeah, now, I had always heard that Saga Edition was the bridge between 3.5 and 4th edition. And hearing that, I was a lot more excited for what would be in this game than what I got from this game, which was basically 3.5 with, like, 4E's skill system. <laughs> like, it was just like, oh. Yeah, I mean, granted, that is a great thing to get rid of from from 3rd edition if you're making at least one change to be like, look, that rank system is cumbersome and stupid, and it ends up being one of the most fiddly things in 3rd edition character progression where you're like, I'll put seven ranks and use rope so I can put one rank in Knowledge uh, Drow or something. That way, at least I don't have a negative proficiency bonus. And oh, yeah, yeah, so... Anytime they you could have it. half of a skill point in something, I was like, this sucks. Fuck this. Yeah. I mean, there's a little more here. You've got Fort Reflex and Will defenses. Yep. Which I don't remember if those were a third edition thing or not. I feel like they were... They were, but they were. They, these are the these are the uh, like the four E versions of them, where they become basically alternate al- uh, armor classes. Well, I mean, as far as Saga Edition is concerned, there is your no armor reflex class, yeah. is your armor class. Yes, yeah. So they become basically your three defense numbers that you that uh, are passive that other people need to roll to hit you, uh, which is what Fourth Edition did with Fort Reflex and Will. So there's a little bit of a build towards that. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of like the sort of background ideas moved towards fourth edition but none of the interesting things moved to this stuff that fourth edition did so you're still yeah. just left with oh okay i have a standard D character that's just kind of be gonna be like all right well i've got like 15 feats but all of those boil down to i don't know i attack a guy all right i'm done <laughs> Yeah, a lot of the feats are pretty basic, and there are things that were taken away from fifth edition, or at least moved in, or fifth, from third edition D anD D, or at least moved in interesting ways, which are especially interesting when you consider that we the last Star Wars game we covered was the the one that's more or less D twenty mod or uh, Star Wars, like a third edition version of. Yeah, um, and this just feels like you know an updated version of that because the classes yes. are basically the same, the ideas the- for things are essentially the same. There are a couple like new inclusions in here and things that are didn't make it to fourth edition that I do really like. But for the most part, it just feels like, oh, this is a slightly more usable version of the previous Star Wars game. Yeah, it feels like an iteration on that. For all the time I've spent hearing about how this was basically the bridge to fourth edition, to me, this felt, it, to me, it didn't even feel like it was coming from third edition necessarily so much as it was coming from like D20 modern in terms of the way that the the base classes you start building are assembled, where rather than having a really strong identity to them, where you're picking between things like noble and scout and soldier and Jedi, they are very piecemeal. Like every one of them is at every odd level, you get a talent and at every even level, you get a feat and pick those from huge lists and build your own flavor. Yeah, I mean, even among like 
the base classes that they have the like they all have talent trees that are like oh here's you know you get a talent every odd level and you pick from any of these various ones in that uh class but even among those the trees are like all right well what type of that like for soldier you could be like oh did you want to be a heavily armored guy. Did you want to be a melee guide? A leader. You can go down like a leadership tree. So you can kind of decide what type of thing you want to be. Right. Yeah. But uh, you know, when you're just looking at the core class where you're like, ah, what's a scoundrel all about? Well, let's look at their ba- their uh, their table, like the table that says what they get at each one of their levels. Very similar to a bridge between third and fourth edition D&D. At first level, you get plus zero attack bonus defense bonuses, starting feats, and a talent. And then at second level, you get a bonus feat. And at third level, you get a talent. So it's hard at initially uh, when you're first looking at the class to even know really what this is or what it does beyond just kind of having Star Wars baked into everybody's collective conscience or conscious minds. Um, where you're like, oh, I know what a scoundrel is. That's a Han Solo. Okay, I, I kind of get an idea of what that's going to be. But then you really do have to dig down to the talent trees from which you're going to pick one every odd level um, to get a sense of what this class is supposed to be doing. Yeah, I mean, the game also keeps base attack bonus as a thing. Yeah, uh, but in a weird new or, or weird way, there's no, uh, you don't, it when you have like a plus five to attack, you don't suddenly get a second attack. If you yes. want a second attack, that's a feat now. Yeah, so... It's interesting, there's only, like, five classes you can be in, and mm-hmm. two of them get the full, you know, one base attack every level. The rest of them all get the three-quarters progression. So yeah, the cleric equivalent. Yeah, so it's it's interesting that even though they do have, like, Scoundrel might be, like, it gets the least amount of uh, hit points to start with, you get a decent amount of skills, you might look at it as a rogue, like, a lot of the... Or and noble is more like you get a lot of skills. You might think of that as a wizard, but everyone gets the same base attack. You're either very good or basically good. So that's yes. nice that they weren't like, oh, everyone has to, you know, uh, use the attack system in this. So let's make everyone not be terrible. Yeah, I do appreciate that getting rid of that base attack uh, bonus attack progression range means that you don't feel like an idiot for multi-classing a little bit because you're like, oh, I'm down by plus one to my base attack, but it doesn't mean that I'm also down by permanently by levels from when I'm going to pick up what's the most important thing in this game, which is multi-action advantage. Yeah. And I got to say the, the way that the, because this does not have armor class, it just has reflex bonus. The yeah. way that that scales as you level up is so fast that i'm like oh honestly having another attack at a minus five kind of sucks because you're already not gonna hit and then having a minus (laughs) five on top of that is like all right well i hope i roll a 20 then yeah yeah pretty much um you also have uh hit points are a little closer to fourth edition than they are to uh, to third, it, but not so much in how you generate them, it, just in that you get a shitload of them at starting character creation. Oh, yeah. The lowest amount of starting hit points is 18 plus con mod. So Yeah, with the highest being 30 plus con mod. Yeah, you're, you're going to start out with a good amount of hit points, which is necessary because this game's weapons all do increased damage. 
Oh yeah, they do huge damage, and there isn't there isn't really a damage reduction mechanic outside of a. I, no wait, there are there are some damage reduction mechanics, which is you're gonna need because thing like just the basic ass blaster. Like if you oh I've got Han Solo's DL forty four, that thing's gonna do three d ten with a lot of ways to easily jump that up to five d ten or more. Yeah, I mean the the normal like blaster guns are if you're using a light pistol like just the smallest ranged weapon that's 2d6 you go up to a heavy you're at 3d8 and Uh it just goes up from there and you don't get to add any damage to that so you're not you know in normal DD, you shoot a bow you can add you know your decks to the damage so you are getting more damage that way and multiple attacks getting more static damage always great In this, you're still just rolling those 2d6, so in some ways you could look at it and go, oh, okay, that's to replace the fact that you aren't getting the bonus damage from your stats. But Melee Mm -hmm. also does fucking a shitload of damage and does get your strength added onto it. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a pretty. I mean, I mean, it makes sense because these games are kind of on the glass cannony side, like Star Wars should be. It's pretty rare that there's knockdown slugfests in Star Wars. Yeah, there's a I lot mean, of stormtroopers go down with and a blaster. Hit. You should go down. Yeah, yeah, or at least you know have to go lean up against a wall while Han Solo goes like goes like, oh wow, you have a holdout blaster. I love you, and then she can say, I know. It's good. It's fine. It's fine. Some people can survive a blaster hit. Other people have to lose a hand or whatever. That's that's the curse of the Skywalkers. <laughs> Some people lose a hand. Rip to them, I guess. I'm built different. <laughs> if anything, losing a hand in this game is terrible if you're a Jedi. I hated that rule. God. I And I love that they specifically put in a rule in here for cutting people's limbs off. Yes, there is. There's a uh, there's a couple different ways to do a sever type action. Whether you're doing it via uh, certain talent trees will give you one. Uh, if you're attacking with a lightsaber, to be like, I'm gonna try and just cut off the hand that's holding their weapon. Well, yeah. This and then game, there's all. I think there's a feat for it. Well, this game has a damage threshold for all characters that you have an amount of hit points, but you also have a damage threshold. If you mm-hmm. take damage equal to or more than that, you get fucked up. Yes. And if you take damage higher than your threshold and go to zero, you are just dead. And if you are trying to not kill someone and you go over their damage threshold, you can, instead of just murdering them, cut a limb off. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's also a damage reduction system that, as far as I can tell, most players just don't get access to, which is fine to me because it's the biggest benefit to lightsabers, is uh, if you're carrying a lightsaber, it's like, oh, this thing ignores the damage reduction system. And then there is a, a brief section towards the back about what gets dam- or uh, what happens if something has damage reduction, but not a lot of ways to generate it. Like, n- there's no armor in this game that will give you any damage reduction. Yeah, the armor in this options there, and also... It is wild how it works because there isn't armor class this game. There's just yeah. reflex. But instead of it being like, oh, you add whatever the armor's value reflex save, it's your reflex save is normally 10 plus however high your character level is plus uh-huh. your uh, dexterity and then any other class or whatever bonuses you get. Yeah. But if you use armor, you don't get your level bonus. Yeah, which- it fucking sucks. 
And, and that means, and the best armor in the game for level bonus is plus 10, which means all the armor is useless once you're 10th level. Oh, yeah. It's, like, at least the level 10, like, heavy battle armor also gives you a bonus to your fortitude save. But even then, yeah. by the time you hit level 11, you're like, oh, anyone that is level 11 or higher in this game should be fucking naked because there is no reason to do that unless you specifically went down one path in the soldier tree that says you can get, I think it's half level to yeah. add on to your armor. And then that's the only person in the game that wears armor. And at that point, you're spending a grip of feats and several talents for basically plus five to your reflex defense. Yeah, it's, because, uh, it's wild. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I get it because ultimately... At super high levels, Star Wars really isn't about armor, but that it, it doesn't seem like it shouldn't be able to be, just because it hasn't been in the past. Like, yeah, I'm granted, these big Jedi fights that happen are just two dudes in robes usually, but if you want to do a bunch of Mandalorian stuff, then their super heavy Mando armor should probably come into play. Yeah, it, it feels weird Interesting choice. Yeah, the perspective of both, oh, high level play, everyone is just naked and not wearing armor, which feels weird. But it also means in, like, low-level play, you would want, if you're like, oh, I've got armor, this is amazing, and then I'm just going to ditch it at some point. goes against, like, the fantasy you might have. Like, if you are going like, oh, I'm a, I'm a trooper, I want to be, like, a Republic trooper, and I want to be in armor, and I want to have, like, a heavy blaster, and that's what I'm doing... But if you're like, oh, my my armor gives me a plus four to reflex and I'm level six, I need to stop wearing this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's got, I mean, granted, I'm looking at the official character sheet and it says level or armor. So I'm guessing maybe you could just always wear the armor and say that you're taking the levels bonus instead of the armor's bonus. Well, it's level or armor in that it is either your level or the armor you are wearing. Right. So you just go, it's the level. Like, yes, I'm wearing heavy armor, but it's the level. I'm using the level because my level is higher than 10. No, it's armor and that's replaces only if I'm wearing... it. Oh, you can't. So yeah, it, all right. Yeah, it's level or if you are wearing armor, then armor. Then, yeah, it's just it's just not a very, that part of the system feels, I don't know, ill-defined. That said, I don't want to come across as though I'm entirely dumping on this. This is still pretty interesting. This, uh, this seems like a pretty playable Star Wars game. Uh, to get back to the basics, just because I know that we kind of jumped right ahead, this one is kind of an advanced entry, given that to to uh to cover this as as brazen or as breezily as we are suggests that people who are listening are are used to the previous Star Wars RPG, uh, just called Star Wars the role playing game, um, as well as three point five D and D fourth edition D and D, and also uh this itself. So there's there's a lot of things that that kind of are prerequisites. So to get boil it back down, it's a six stack game. It does strength, dexterity, con, intelligence, wisdom, charisma. We've gone over the defenses, which are fort reflex will. Uh, you have initiative, base attack. You know, it's D&D stuff. Now, the stats the, range from 3 to 18. Go ahead. I will say the interesting thing for initiative is they turned it into a skill. So it's yes. no longer just, oh, I have, you know, my dexterity added to my initiative role, and maybe I get a feat for improved initiative. Now, you can get skill training in initiative and just have a better number in that if you want with your skills rather than anything else. So an yes. interesting choice there. Yeah. So it's uh it's pretty straightforward. If you've played third edition or fourth edition, you're going to be used to seeing a character uh, creation sheet for this or a character sheet 
uh, insofar as everything is pretty much just linked boxes of numbers you need to add together to come up with your basic bonuses. And then you're going to roll a d20, add that bonus that you uh, get by adding all those other micro bonuses together, and then compare that against a target number to see whether or not you succeed at something. That's the core gameplay. Yeah. Uh, it has the, you know, the standard array of things to do for getting your statistics. You can either 46 drop low, you can uh, do point by, or you can do the standard array. And uh-huh. that's, you know, the same it's been for a while. Anything in character gen early that's really different. Uh, like, you get you get a level one feat. Yeah, you get a level one feat, you get a number of... Bonus skills equal to your intelligence bo- uh, modifier. Um, so it's all very similar to making a, a starting third or fourth edition character. Um, the only things that are really different are, different are how you calculate your initiative score and how you calculate your defenses. Because instead of had, uh, adding half your armor to your or your half your level to your defenses, you're adding your entire level to your defense. Yeah, which it man, it really if you go one of the if you've got a good stat and whatever you're doing is good at that defense. It just feels like the higher your level gets, the less likely anyone is to ever do anything to it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The, it almost feels like they had some kind of miscalculation there. Because, like, I went ahead and built... I'll, I'll, I'm not going to spoil my, my uh, bonus content character too much here, but I made kind of a war Jedi type. And I, he... Or, sorry, she cannot hit herself very oh, yeah. often. Because she's got a reflex defense of 29 and a bonus to attack with her best weapon of plus 14. Oh, yeah. I I basically did not that. I didn't make a Jedi, but I also made someone who's like, oh, I can hit myself on a 19 or 20. Yeah. And it's not like I was super building for anything crazy here. I just kind of went down a, I want to be a good at lightsabers type character. So I, I'm not sure if they meant to have that be level or or half level or armor, because that would really go a long way towards fixing the things we've already complained about. If it was yeah. half level, then the armor would be better in most situations. Even when you're like level 10, you're like, well, I can either have the plus five for my armor or my, uh, my level or the plus seven from this pretty good medium armor. Yeah, the I mean, the thing is, even going, there's a small bit of like uh you know not quite monsters i mean there are some and whatnot but just sort of like antagonists in the back sure you got rancors and what have you and yeah most of them are nowhere near what you have as a player and it feels like oh as a player you should feel heroic and badass oh i can do a bunch of stuff that these monsters can't which is fair and fine but mm-hmm. it also means that like the highest end thing you can fight is I think a uh a Vader? Hunter. A Darth Vader? No. Okay. Oh no, there's something more, there's something stronger than Vader. Yeah. Yeah, because like the dark side marauder bad guy has a nineteen to his you can get okay. a bounty hunter with a twenty-three. Wow. Well, uh, I mean I'm looking at Grievous's stats right now, and he's got a reflex defense of thirty. Oh yeah, I'm looking at the generic ones, not the actual like named character. Ah, very good. Yeah, like, Grievous has 30, 28, 28. You're not hitting him with anything. Yeah, it sucks. Like, obviously you shouldn't be fighting the named guys. Like, at that point, you shouldn't fight Grievous or Vader or anything like that unless you are ridiculously high level and can hit them. But right. the especially if you aren't one of the classes that gets a plus one per level base attack bonus, you're like, dude, even at max at 20, you've got a plus 15 if you've got maybe a plus five for your stat, you're looking at a plus 20, which means a level 20 character has like a 50-50 shot of hitting Grievous. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this. Okay, I am a level, uh, or I made a bonus character. I made level 10, right? Sure, fine. Um, that means base attack bonus plus 10. Um, that means with a couple of other minor hindrances or bonuses here and there, I've managed to cobble together about a plus 14 to hit. And let's say I go into combat with Boba Fett. And, Boba you know, Fett? I feel Where? Like, <laughs> given that Boba Fett was taken out by a blind guy who bonked him in the back with a stick on accident, I don't feel like he's necessarily like an ultimate badass. Like, sure, he's he should be fairly powerful, but I feel like at 10th level, I should have a chance to, to at least fight Boba Fett to a standstill. Maybe I yeah. would I would need to roll a natural twenty to hit Boba Fett. Good, and I don't and I don't mean that. Be- I mean literally, it would also because natural twenties in this game automatically hit, but yeah. also it is the number I needed. Uh, he has a reflex defense of thirty four, which that's fucking nuts. Yeah, the I mean it makes sense that bounty hunter of the generic ones is the highest reflex save you can find in the game. So just giving the highest reflex in the game to the known bounty hunter makes an amount of sense, but it is also fucking wild. The other thing I keep wondering if if both of us happen to miss here is that you're also supposed to add just a generic flat plus 10 to your base attack bonus. Nope. Like, uh, which you'd think that would help because that would keep the numbers at a little bit closer to parity, but but instead... They they're just not, and I'm not sure what the what the solution's supposed to be. Well, I um, mean, it feels like they went, oh, uh, the armor class starts at a ten and goes up, so we'll do that here. Except then they just went, also, you just add whatever your level is to it, which is not the way that armor normally scales. Yeah, so I'm not sure what's going on there, but rather than getting too into the weeds on this one weird kind of numeric topic, why don't we talk a bit about what you can build with the game? It's sure. got a nice big block of races, which looks very familiar if you were part of our last Star Wars uh, RPG review, because I'm pretty sure they're the same set of species. Yeah, I mean, it's honestly the same art got used a lot from the last book into this book. There are a bunch of things that I remembered from there shown here. Uh, you have a lot of the same species in here. I do love that you can be an Ewok. That's great. It's still yeah. great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not exactly sure how many there are. But it's the same set as the last time, so you still have things like Gungans and Gamorians and Keldor and uh, Zabrax. I was kind of hoping to see something new, and the reason for that, this is something that's probably worth mentioning, is that the setting notes for this book say that you can use it to run the game in three different sets. I mean, you can do it whatever you want in Star Wars. It's just generic Star Wars information. But their provided list of information covers three eras of Star Wars time. The prequels, the sequel, or the, the original trilogy, and... The expanded universe, specifically during the Yuzhan Vong crisis. Yeah, which was a wild choice to me. That they'd be like, oh yeah, you know, the ones that everyone knows about. The prequel trilogy, the original trilogy, and this fucking weird-ass Yuzhan Vong thing. And I'm like, like, okie doke. I feel like that's kind of us selling short just exactly how actually big the Yuzhan Vong crisis managed to be. At the time, like, it got news articles and stuff. Like, it was in newspapers. They were, largely because R.A. Salvatore killed Chewbacca. I mean, mostly. But but it still happened. They were like, you know, why did Chewbacca die? Oh, because extragalactic invaders that are covered in bioorganic armor are coming down. Like, I didn't read the Yuzhan Vong stuff when I was a kid, but I knew about it. Uh, I mean, granted, I wasn't a kid. I was in my 20s because the Yuzhan Vong crisis started sometime around 2002, 2003. But... It was a big deal. They were they were talking about it as like the final major event of this series of books that's been going on for forever. 
So I can see them wanting to try and capitalize on it. Well, uh, I never heard of it. But the thing that bought <laughs> that's fair. You didn't you didn't have to hear about it. When you were a kid, did you hear that Chewbacca died in some book? No. I never heard dick about any expanded universe shit at all, ever. Huh. All right. Well, I did. So I I, I don't know. Maybe it was just different folk. Um the the thing that I was trying to drive at here is that I was kind of hoping to see at least one race that you could play as, one species in Star Wars that was from an expanded universe source. Ah. I don't know if it would have been Chiss or Nogri. Obvi- Chiss is just the obvious one. Yeah, Chiss feels or, like or, you probably could have taken out, like, Keldor and put in Chiss. Like, I, you, we're the world's number one original Plo Koon superfans over here. Don't, oh, we, for sure. You know, absolutely. That guy can... That guy can kiss my sister. <laughs> you know, if she goes to a, a benzene-heavy environment or whatever it is he breathes. I think it's hydrogen. But, um, but you know, he, Keldor, there's just the one, and he kind of looks like a messed-up cloud monster, and very few people want to replicate the Plo Koon experience. So I feel like, yeah, that would have been an okay one to drop. That or, like, yeah, I'm oh, going, wait, Natolans aren't even in here. Quarren. Go, Quarren could to the cat go. house and being like, hey, can I get the, uh, the Plo Koon experience? <laughs> uh, yeah, I... Quarren is another one I feel like I could have dropped in exchange for Chiss. Like, yeah, sure, the squid heads are interesting, and you've got that whole dynamic where they're from the same planet as the Mon Cal's and they don't get along. But ultimately, they're just one of the worst races in here anyway. Oh, yeah. I, I was uh, I was like, oh, you know, I feel like Natolans would be a better fit than them. Yeah, but... absolutely, because they connect you to the prequels. You get your Kit Fisto. Yeah. And no one knows any Quarren. No, no one like, can name a Quarren. Yeah, I feel like even I, who normally have at least one name on, on uh, reserve, don't have a Quarren name at the ready. Oh, it's probably because there weren't any Quarrens uh, racing in uh, Pod Racer. <laughs> well, that's definitely true. I'm even looking at the list now. I'm like, okay, I know that all the names they took in the, the uh, suggestion list here for each species are pulled from characters that showed up in, in books and so on. And I only recognize one of them, which is Vecker, and I don't remember why. So I'm assuming that, sure, that's one. Get rid of this species. Put Chiss in here. Give me something neat. Just, it's just, you know, it, it feels like a half measure to be like, look, all the book, all the art in this book is art. We're not going to use screenshots from the films. So open season on drawing a dark blue guy with glowing red eyes. Uh, I would have taken Nogri. I would have been fine with Calibops. Uh, in fact, the only species in here that I'm fairly certain does have an AU origin of a sort is Bothans. They get mentioned in Return of the Jedi as having died for information or whatever, but it was the West End game Star Wars books that actually laid out what they are. Now, there is a weird thing in very, very back of the book, after you go through all of the, uh, like, sample bad guys and all that, there is a quick other species thing where you can be like, oh, uh, here's some dudes we just didn't put in the front of the book, so if you want to be an Aqualish, a hut. A Nemoidian <laughs> or a Yuzhan Vong, they've got you covered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I find it wild that they suggested Yuzhan Vong. I guess maybe if you wanted to play it in that, like, tire, that dark nest crisis that's after the Yuzhan Vong crisis when there were a couple of good ones around. I guess. I mean, the fact that they gave you the ability to be a is great to me. I, do, I wonder if they're... Are they large? Oh, they're just super slow. And they are large size. Yeah, they're large size. They've got a minus six to dexterity. (laughs) Okay, Uh, that's fair. And then Aqualish is an interesting uh, inclusion. Nymoidian, I can take or leave. Yeah, well. No no one likes them. No, but they were in a prequel movie, so whatever, they can be here. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, if you wanted to play as a Nymoidian, you could just play as a Duro and say you're a Nymoidian. They're, they're, they're cousin species anyway. That's racist. I, I mean, I guess. I feel like I don't know enough differences between the two of them to, to worry about it on, on, at this level of abstraction. But you're right, it's super racist. Well, you see, I, I'm, Duros I'm taking, drive I'm like ownership. this. Nymoidians drive like this. Duros drive by being largely uh, instrumental in inventing hyperdrive as a function. Nymoidians drive by flying around in donuts that are full of droids. Dude, I wish I could fly around in a donut full of droids. <laughs> okay, um, so there's a lot of species to choose from, but as John mentioned, there are only five classes to choose. And that is largely because each one of them has these talent trees that kind of represent subclass themes. Yeah, and, you know, we had mentioned before, each of them, while they do have different talent trees, they all progress pretty much exactly the same way. You start, you get your uh, defenses, you get a plus one to one of your three and a plus two to a different one. You get whatever your starting skills and hit points are, and then you get a talent, and then every level you go, if it's an even level, you get a feat. If it's an odd level, you get another talent, and all of them work the exact same way. They all have yep. Yep. their own list of what feats you can pick, because it does still have the every four levels you get a new feat thing from... Uh, so every you three know, levels you get a from, new feat, every four levels you get the stat adjustments. Yeah, yeah. every three levels a feat, and then every even level for all of these base classes, you get a bonus feat from their list. Yeah, so you get a shitload of feats. Yeah. Which, it's it's that third edition style, where you get a shitload of feats, but not that many of them are super impactful. A lot of them are more like prere prerequisite steps you're, you're taking to get to something good later. Well, I mean, a bunch of the things in here are just like, what is this? Oh, uh, you'll not take a penalty in a specific circumstance. Okay, yeah. sure. It's fine. I can have 20 feats because all of them do one very minor specific thing. Yeah. And then a lot of them have to do with the game's force system, which is definitely something we're going to need to get into. Uh, for example, if you want to have any force powers at all, you have to take a feat called force training. But you also need a feat called force sensitivity, which is a prerequisite for force training that lets you use the skill, use the force. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of weird steps to get to the point where you're using the force, because not only do you have a skill called use the force that you need to roll whenever you'd like to activate an ability that is a force ability, but you only get those abilities by taking the feat force training, which lets you have some of those abilities. Uh, but also there are force points, which everyone gets, and sometimes you need to spend them to activate certain aspects of force abilities. But there are also force techniques and force secrets, which are other le uh, uh, sets of abilities that are uh, granted to you by various prestige classes. Yeah, the the force points, because they are for everybody. Everybody can use uh -huh. force points. You get a number per level, and you won't get any more unless you are a high-level force user at, and have a way to get some back. But normally it'll be like, here's a small number of force points, like, you know, generally about five or six for the first few levels. Uh... And then you can spend anyone, even if you're not a force, you can spend a force point and it will allow you to basically get bardic inspiration. Yes. So for the yeah, first you know seven levels, you get an extra D6 onto something. Then for eight to 14th, you get 2D6, 15 and higher, you get 3D6 added on to a roll for a force point. Mm-hmm. And then you also, every character at the start of the game, and then they can receive them as like bennies later on in the game, gets a 
destiny point, which is another point you have to write down in your sheet. Uh, and with destiny points, you can spend them for really powerful stuff. Like, you can spend a destiny point to skip having to make an attack roll and instead just get a crit. Yep. There's a lot of uh, things for... I mean, obviously the Jedi are going to use the Force points in way more ways than you can as a regular person, but they also have a lot of talents that use destiny points. So you could uh -huh. be like, oh, I'll spend my destiny point to supercharge whatever. Yeah. I mean, to me, I don't feel like there's anything better to do with your destiny points, but just get free cool crits. But but yeah, you can also use a Force point, uh, which again, did you already go over how many of them you get? Yeah, you get uh, all the base classes get five plus half level. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, every again, just when you level up, you get those. Yeah. You are set to that. So even if I go from, you know, level one, I have five force points. I hit level two. Even if I didn't spend any, I'll just go to six force points. Yeah. You do. You uh, automatically lose any you have and get a new set of them. Um, you can spend them, as mentioned earlier, for bardic inspiration. But also, if you were about to die, like if you go to zero hit points, you can instead spend a force point to fall unconscious yeah so they're they're a uh, get out of dying free card as well with jedi most of the force abilities in the game you know you're like uh, battle strikes and force pushes and force running have a, a a second effect kind of like spending psi points on a, on a third or fourth edition psionics character to augment them where you can spend a force point when you activate them to get way more out of them yeah because the way uh jedi talents and things the actual techniques you are almost across the board a uh, use the force skill check and then uh -huh. you see either against a target number to be like, oh, I need to, say, beat someone's will defense in order to, like, mind trick them. Or you'll have a chart where it's like, oh, if you beat DC 15, you can do this effect. If you beat 20, you can do this. Yeah. So most of them don't require you to use a force point to do anything but, you know, like we were saying, you can use one to either, you know, jack up the role that you were using if you want to, like, try and get a better role on your use the force or get a secondary, uh, like, way to use the power. So, sure. Yeah. Like an example of one of them is Battle Strike, which is just, hey, um, I'm going to get a uh, plus, bo uh, I'm going to make a uh, use the force check. And then if I beat a DC 15, I get a plus one bonus on my next attack roll, and I deal an additional D6 points of damage if the attack hits. If I get a DC 20, it's 2D6. 25, 3D6, etc. Actually, that's there's no etc. That's where it caps. At DC 25, you get 3, 3D6 extra points of damage. You can also just spend a force point at any point along the process, even after you hit, to go, oh, I'll just add 2D6 to that. So you can get as high as an additional plus 5D6 damage. Which, Jesus... I mean, you're going to need it to catch up with, uh, with the fact that you're probably using a lightsaber and everyone else is shooting for ungodly amounts of damage, including with auto fire and multi burst actions and so on. Yeah, but, you know, you can take uh, I mean, as a Jedi, you're one of only two things that gets the good base attack. But sure. Uh, and, you know, you can take attack multiple times or use a double sided and essentially treat it like you. God, it's, it's striking me at this point. Honestly, there is no difference between dual wielding and using the double saber. They try to write them up as two different things, but they have the exact same penalties for dual wielding associated with them and the same set of feats to get rid of them. Yep, it is the exact same. They're just like, look, if aesthetically you would rather be a Darth Maul, go ahead. Yeah, like if there was any one thing about this game I was most torn on, it would be that 
I appreciate how simplistic the lightsabers are. They just do 2d8 damage. They ignore any damage resistance. They do energy and slashing, and they are very straightforward. But there's a whole bunch of talent trees and so on that supports them. Plus, you can you can technically buy a short one if you're like a Yoda or you're Ahsoka's left hand. Or you can uh, buy the, the Darth Maul double saber. But that is it. They didn't do any interesting lightsaber stuff here. No. Uh, like, I was kind of hoping to see some special effects, some crystals that matter, you know, that kind of shit. But there's just nothing. No, the only thing you really do is when you hit level 7 as a Jedi, you can make your own, and then essentially instead of just, you know, buying one, you can make a roll. If you succeed at the roll, congratulations, you now have a lightsaber that's plus 1 to hit. Yeah, that's as much as you're ever going to get out of it, though, is that plus one to hit. I mean, granted, you're going to desperately want and need it, but oh, yeah. that's that's where lightsaber construction ends. Yeah, there's no like, oh, I went out and found a cool orange crystal. No, fuck you. You just roll. If you succeed, now you have a plus one lightsaber. Yeah, and I'm just now rereading the battle strike ability and seeing that not only does it only affect melee attacks, but there's nothing stopping you from just taking force sensitivity and use the f- or um, force training as any other class and being like, yeah... Whenever I shoot my blaster, I make a battle strike check and I add 2d6 damage to it and I can spend one of my force points that don't really do anything else to make that an extra 4d6. Well, I mean, battle strike is still... Nope. Oh, damn. Nope. (laughs) Nope, it is not. (laughs) Jesus. All right, well, fuck it. So, for the cost of two feats, your blaster could be way better than any lightsaber. I mean, no, because honestly, lightsabers do a grip of damage plus stat. That's true. They do 2d8 plus strength. Uh, And you you can go ahead and take a feat to make it uh, plus dex instead, which you will want to. Yeah, yeah. Well, depending on how you built your Jedi. Um, because yeah, I mean, if you're Jedi... being a Wookiee Jedi and you're going to rage yeah. out and be like, yeah, fuck it, I'll wreck a fool with this, it matters how hard I swing this beam of light. Well, I mean, the problem with Jedi is that they, they definitely suffer from a problem that was a real issue in 3rd edition and that I definitely was kind of hoping to see cleared up here a bit, what with the transferring to 4th edition being kind of the mainstay, which is multi-ability dependency. Like, if you read the Jedi class, it will tell you, put your highest score in wisdom, your second highest score in charisma, your highest score in strength, your highest score in dexterity, you're also going to probably need some constitution. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm like, oh, you definitely are going to dump strength because dexterity rules in this as it normally does, but even more so now. And yeah. the fact that you can just go, whatever, I'll take one feat out of my giant pile of feats that I get and make it so that I can use dexterity with a lightsaber instead of strength, and then I'm fine. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right there. Uh, with strength, the, the part of the problem is that you still have that dexterity is king defense issue yeah. because reflex ha- uh, has a defense modifier to it, but strength does nothing but damage modifiers for uh, melee weapons that you have not taken a like a versatility feat for. Yep, it's very bad. They really <laughs> made strength even worse than it was before. Yeah, it's pretty much the same problem that it's always been. Uh, the so, the one thing. You- I would like to talk about that we haven't talked about yet, which is sure. honestly probably my favorite thing in here. Spoilers for when we do our favorite and least favorite. Uh, is, which is coming up real soon. Yeah, the the thing they added to this that isn't in any other edition is the condition track. I liked the condition track. Yeah, I kept meaning to bring that up. You're absolutely right. So the condition track in here is a uh, five-step track. And everyone starts baseline at zero. And then there are a bunch of 
like talents and things that classes can do and ways that you can interact with it. But basically, there will be things that will either move you forward or backward on the condition track, and each step is a penalty. So if you go one forward on the condition track, you're minus one to all your attacks and skills and so on. Second yeah. step, minus two. Third step, minus five. Then mm-hmm. minus ten, and then you're just out. You're just unconscious. Yeah. And I like that because it... Well, go ahead. Finish oh, I was, I was going to say, one of the things I love about that is not only does it give you a standardized thing instead of like, ah, I'll do a trip. Well, I'm going to do a disarm. I'll do a whatever. All of those just get completely put into this track. So you have a very easily like maintained what minus or whatever do I have. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. It replaces a huge swath of annoying uh, conditions and so on that you have to memorize. And it also means that even if you have multiple characters who have built different ways by which they would like to debilitate an enemy, they can work as a team to do so. Yeah, you don't have to be like, oh, we made two guys that trip. Now it doesn't matter. If someone's already prone, I can't do my thing. Nope. Yeah. You can go ahead and keep doing that. And in fact, that is Probably one of the best ways to get someone out who's like Boba Fett is being a noble in this game because you can talk someone down the track. You can just be like, I don't care that I can't shoot you. I'm going to talk to you until you get unconscious. (laughs) I mean, the other way to go after Boba Fett is... Sure, he's got a 34 will defense, or sorry, uh, reflex defense, but his will defense isn't isn't hot shit, and uh, that means force stun and stun blasts in general because they target will. Yeah, so that's that's the best way to do that kind of thing. But yeah, it, I like the condition track. I I, uh, I I like the simplification of it. Yeah, honestly, the Especially- fact that it meant the noble had something to do because when we reviewed the last version of this, the noble was just. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I suck ass a lot. I'm bad. Yeah. And now I don't do anything. Oh, in combat, I can straight up be like, oh, I'm going to talk to this guy and make him either like surrender or give up or just suck. Like, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a a big fan of the way that the uh, Noble works here. In the last edition that we reviewed, I had my issue with the Noble was largely that I didn't like that it was called the Noble. Like, I realized why they were doing that. They were pretty much just making the Leia class. Uh Uh-huh. And part of me was like, in that game, they were like, it's Leia, it's Lando, it's this, it's that. And I was like, it it doesn't really add up. But here, they've moved Lando more over to Scoundrel by giving Scoundrel more roles that it covers. And so I'm I'm less problematic. I find less problem with it being called Noble. I still wish it was called something else, but I'm not sure what now diplomat or something although now that's just one of the trees you build yeah they really took noble and went all right well we're taking the name from the last edition because it's just an update to that but we are going to make each of the talent trees be like all right what type of talky character are you yeah yeah so i appreciate that i like a lot of the talent trees i think they did a pretty good job of, of uh like dividing them up so that you make interesting characters that still have some flavor uh, out of these what look like when i mentioned earlier that I felt like this had a lot of D20 modern blood in it. It was just about how boring the base classes you start as are. We're like, oh, I'm making a Jedi, which means I get a feat and a talent and a feat and a talent and a feat and a talent. But then when you look at the trees, you're like, oh, there's actually some neat stuff here. Yeah. Uh, So I'm a fan of that. One last thing I would want to bring up, of course, the advanced classes or prestige classes uh, from the third ed, which they also 
pretty much standardized across the board. There are more advanced classes by like two, like two times as many than there are base classes. But all of them have the restriction that you will have to be at least level seven before you can start looking at it. So the first level you can take one of these is level eight. And that's great because it also means you don't have those weird 3.5 things where you're like, all right, well, I took two classes levels in this and then one level in that and one level in this because that's the only way I could qualify for this prestige class at level five. And that's the earliest you can get into it. But now I'm that. So instead, they're just like, no, dude, the what do you need to be this class? Level seven. Fucking just be whatever you want. But wait a while. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm a fan of that. Yeah, because I used to do uh, pick and choose my way through third edition D&D by that model. Being like, what's the fastest way I can get into a prestige class? Can I get into one by like level three? Oh, I can if I do this ridiculous uh, skill abuse and so on. Yeah. The fact that it also has, you know, being that bridge to fourth. It has that idea where fourth was like, oh, once you hit level 10, you go to your paragon and you get that paragon class thing. And in this, it's like, yeah, once you hit level seven, once you're about a third of the way through, you can go ahead and get one of these prestige classes. And it feels like they assume you will. Yeah, I think you pretty much have to. And you can also kind of tell which ones you're going to go down. Like there's pretty much two for each one of the 10 classes or the five classes there are in the game. So you kind of know where you're going. And in some cases, one of them will lead to the other. Like if you start as a Jedi, you're probably going to end up in Jedi Knight. And then you're probably going to go to Jedi Master at level 12. Yeah. And a few of them have sort of a shared, you could come here from two different things. So if you were like, oh, I want the Crime Lord as my prestige class, you could get there from Noble or Scoundrel. And in fact, uh, all of the prestige class ones have their own unique talent tree. But then when you get a talent in those classes, they also give you two other talent trees from the other classes to go pick. And certain ones like Crime Lord and Gunslinger are like, oh, Gunslinger lets you pick from a scoundrel tree or a scout tree. And Crime Lord is a noble tree or a scoundrel tree. So there are overlapping things for certain ones. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's there's some interesting stuff there. I feel like there is a little wasted space because there were at least two classes that were for Sith only. And in this game... Dark side is definitely something that we haven't talked about yet that we probably ought to. Um, whenever you do like intentionally evil acts or whatever, as the DM interprets it, you can get dark side points. And it's one of the other things you can spend your force points on. At any point, at any time, you can spend as a swift action, which, oh my gosh, that's another thing we probably should have talked about is the action economy. Um, yeah. You can spend a force point to get rid of a dark side point. But if you ever have more dark side points then I think it's your wisdom. Um, wisdom. Then you automatically become, you fall to the dark side. And according to the uh, book's initial write-up, you should probably become an NPC at that point and make a new character. Uh, unless, the game says, you really want to explore dark side stuff and play like an evil campaign, in which case, you know, that's up to you, I guess. Go ahead. But then when you look at the back of the book, they're like, ah, there are two or three classes that are dedicated pretty much exclusively to, to Sith. And I feel yeah. like if you're going to make them a an optional restricted sort of thing, maybe save that for the source book that's not coming. It's yeah, it's weird that they were like, all right, here's two prestige classes and also part of one of another prestige class. The, uh, the adept, yeah. 
the yeah the force adept which is just the non-jedi or sith force user has an entire talent tree that's just i'm a dark side version yeah, you're like, oh, I'm a force witch of Dathomir, so I'm going down the adept tree because it doesn't make sense for me to actually be a Sith Lord or whatever, but I do not dark side shit because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm uh, whatever that witch's name was, and uh, so that, that means I need this dark side special talent tree that's just for me, and you're like, there's too much of this, there's too much bad guy shit back here for the starting player character book. Yeah, I mean, honestly, even Crime Lord being a thing was like, huh. I wouldn't think of Crime Lord as something that was like, yes, and then I go on adventures. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you're playing from the EU campaign world, I guess that makes sense, because that's what you're like, a talent card would be, for example. And he's pretty I much a good guy. Guess. I mean, yeah. I wasn't like, it doesn't Tarek. make sense to be a Crime Lord and still be a decent guy on here. But I was like, I always think of Crime Lord as, oh, you sit in an office somewhere. You've got <laughs> goons. You don't go that's on adventures. That's fair. That's fair. Anyway, to briefly cover the action economy, you've seen it before. You get a standard action, a swift action, and a move action. The only thing that's interesting about this one is that technically you can trade all three for something called a full round action for things like if you have multi-attack that uh, coming from a feed or something, you need to use a full round action to do it. And there are certain abilities that are full round actions only. But there are also some functions that require three swift actions because you can trade any uh, action down for the one below it. So you can trade your standard out for a move, you can trade your move out for a swift, but there are some abilities that require three swift, not a full round. And that's because you can split up paying for them over multiple rounds. Yeah, some things require multiple swifts, and it can be like, oh, I'll pay one now and one later, or two now and one later, whatever. But It's things uh, like recovery. Like, if you want to move yourself further back up the condition track, like, oh, I've been hit with a stun beam and I'm all... I'm at minus three, or I'm at the third level of condition, so I'm at minus five to everything. That's not working. I'd like to move up one rank. I will spend two swift actions this round and one swift action the next, and then next round I will be at the minus two condition rank instead. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. I was. It, it, it's neat that you can kind of split your actions up over the course of rounds for certain effects. Also, I know we did mention it, but I do want to drive home the fact that attacking more than once in this game is based on getting a feat that lets you do that everyone yes. forever baseline just attacks once unless you have a gun with auto fire and then you can do that but otherwise you're like nope i get one attack and then i'm done you can get a feat that only unlocks at a plus six base attack bonus and then another one that unlocks at plus 11 for an additional attack but they are actually much worse than the standard multi-attack progression because each of them have the language of, oh, if you decide you are going to attack multiple times, like let's say I have the plus six base attack bonus, you can attack an additional time feat. It says, mm -hmm. if you do this, you decide at the beginning of the round, all of your attacks are at minus five. So it's not, I do an attack at full, then an attack at minus five. It's, no, you get two attacks, both of them minus five. Yeah, it's exactly like if you were taking dual-wielding dual actions from uh, from previous editions. They really didn't want one person being like, oh, I'm just going to make two or three attacks around with my, my one lightsaber and be fine. Nope, you're going to be bad. Oh, yeah. It made it so that, like, not only is hitting things hard, but they're like, yeah, and if you want to attack multiple times, it's going to be way worse for you because... Yeah. All of your attacks are going to be bad. So if you've got the attack three times, you're making three attacks at minus 10 each. Yeah. So now I'm there not sure are why you'd want to do that. 
there are talents for certain uh, advanced classes that will say, oh, every time you take this talent, reduce the penalty of multi-attack by two. So you can be like, all right, I'll take this talent a couple times. It does nothing but let me finally actually make multiple attack. I mean, I kind of, I wonder, I I guess maybe it it makes sense because it lets you get to the point where you understand why a character uh, would bother playing as like a noble or a scout or something when, because they're never going to catch up on the, the attacks per round thing, which makes fighters so good. And in a game where the only spells are, a couple of unique force abilities, which not everyone has access to, you really do need to level the playing field on the combat side to make playing as like a scout worth it at all. Yes. So and I get I get where they're coming from. It's just very interesting to see. Yeah, it's just weird because it does mean that high-level play, like when you hit even like level 12, 13 in this game, like levels that in most D&D games people are never going to even see you're still like anyway I rolled once and I missed uh, my turn's done <laughs> like that's it that's what you do yeah so so anyway you want to get to your favorites and least favorites sure thing all right what was your favorite thing about Star Wars Saga edition it's definitely the condition track it is the only truly unique thing in this for my money uh they didn't take it far enough into 4e to actually be like oh everyone's got cool powers and they didn't take it into 3e so that you had like a ton of interesting spells or anything like it just ended up being like you know regardless of what level you are you will on your turn roll one d20 probably miss and then your turn is done and the condition track at least lets you play with something gives you like a lever to work with that isn't ridiculously complicated like a lot of say 4e's condition tracks were where you're like all right i gotta keep track of like dazed and stunned and prone and i've got a minus two situational and a minus one situational you're like no just condition track it's fine yeah yeah that's i, I liked it a lot too i thought that was a smart decision and i wish that i'd seen it carry forward more like yeah. g- given that you and i are currently in the process of writing fifth edition rules for a for a supplement book that we're working on and the moment i realized that the game that fifth edition because i don't know that much about it i've read it but i've never played it for more than like one or two sessions in a row so encountering things like oh there is a poison damage type that has nothing to do with ongoing poison damage and there is a poison condition which has nothing to do with poison as a damage type yes i'm like i wish that there was one condition that had a track to it instead of like 50 yep it'd be great but nope yeah Okay, so, there so that's you go. Your what's your thing. favorite? I like the talent trees, and specifically the thing I like about them is that there's very few prerequisites in the starting class talent trees. You can kind of pick and choose from like four or five different things in each one of three different talent trees, and once you pick from one, you're not locked to it, so you can build your character however you want by picking and choosing from different ones each time you get a new talent. And I also like that a lot of the prestige classes will break the uh, the engine of selection. So, for example, if you're building a character with a prestige class, it might say, like, like, Jedi Knight, for example, will tell you, oh, hey, if you want, now you have access to the armor, the heavy armor tree from the soldier class. Mm-hmm. Just go pick from there. So you get some interesting new ways to uh, to build your character by bouncing around between these various talent trees. And that's not even the only sources of them. Once you take uh, use the force as a skill and force sensitivity, you get access to three talent trees that are just for force users. Yes. And there are even more talent trees that unlock in other various ways uh, that are just like, hey, 
once you have access to this, no matter what class you are, you can pick talents from this tree. Yep. So that was kind of a neat way to have uh, class builds so you can see some kind of shared space between the classes, but also still be independent from other classes. I just like that. I thought it was a neat design. Yeah. What was your least favorite thing? Uh, I mean, of the few things in this that I did not, honestly, the fact that a lot of this feels wasted in practice because of the like, oh, I've got, I got all these talent, I've got all the feats, I've got all this stuff. And yet the fact that it's still going to be like, what do you do on your turn? Oh, I, I, I shoot that guy. I yeah. probably don't, but I try to shoot that guy. Uh, my turn is done. Like yeah. the few things that let you like talk someone down as a noble or let you do like multiple swift actions for something like those are the only bits that really shine for me in this because if you aren't interacting with either like that or the Jedi stuff you're basically not doing much like you're just kind of like all right my turn is 1d20 roll and I'm done yeah like you know for years having heard that this game was a bridge to fourth edition and then seeing that by four by bridge to fourth edition they mostly meant like it's got reflex fort and will and bigger hit point pools yeah and I'm like oh I was kind of hoping for the stuff about fourth edition that was revolutionary you know like rolls uh, healing actions coming off of just being a leader using their swift action to accomplish something that's healing just just as an afterthought, just um, uh, or or uh, mechanics that allowed you to reshape the battlefield or or uh, work with each other, all that synergy stuff that Fourth Edition made so, uh, that made the game feel much more like a tactical success, more like you were playing Final Fantasy Tactics than anything else. Um, I, I was hoping to see more of that, and it's just not here. No, uh, there's too much three point five in this that you're like, oh, you you have some interesting ideas. I see where you're going with this. But ultimately, when you strip out spells, spells is basically the only thing that like 3.5 had that wasn't just, all right, roll a d20 and see if you hit. And when you also take out multi-attacking for basically everyone, then at that point, you're just like, man, this is really just, hey, it's your turn. Roll. I'm done. Okay, go. Like, yeah, that's my least favorite aspect of this is if you aren't really participating in the like couple of shining weird bits of this book then you really aren't doing much of it and it kills me because i feel like there are four star wars rpgs out there in the world and they all have that same problem like yep. no matter how much they 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 build up the uh, character creation model even in your uh your final or uh final uh, the fantasy, fantasy flight, flight games version of it fantasy flight games version of it uh i kept wanting to say final fantasy version because it was ffg <laughs> and i should have just said ffg but uh, even in the FFG version, you spend forever building your character and navigating your way down these complicated multi or full page uh, like ability trees and getting huge die pools. And at the end of the day, on your turn, you go, I try to hit him with a lightsaber. I probably do. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. There's certainly going to be a more interesting dice pool examination than there is here. But other than that, the action you're taking is essentially the same. And I'm, I'm wishing for a more tactical Star Wars. Yep. Uh, what so you is go. your least favorite thing? It is something we joked about but did not bring up yet, which is a like a one-sentence rule about uh, cybernetics and uh, replacement prosthetic arms and so on in this universe. Oh, yeah. Um, where in this game, if you have a cybernetic hand replacement like Luke does, for example, and by the way, you can get cybernetic hand replacements, you can build droids, you can play as built droids. It's all stuff we just didn't mention, but it's in there. Um, but if you get a cybernetic hand, it, it just says, oh, by the way, 
uh, robots don't exist in the force. Not even your robot hand exists in the force. And therefore, you can't feel the force as strongly if you're missing a hand. So you have minus one to force for each cybernetic rim, limb replacement or major cybernetic upgrade you have. So And by minus wild. one to force, I mean minus one to use the force checks. It's so weird that they were like, hey, you know that whole, like, you're less human when you have cybernetic things from cyberpunk? What if we just did that in Star Wars, a setting that canonically has two of the strongest force users being robot-limbed <laughs> people? Yeah, yeah. it's a, It was a wild choice, and I spent forever unt- uh, uh, taking apart their Vader that they have statted out in the back of this book just to see if they gave him a minus four because he has no arms or legs that aren't robot parts. Uh, and they didn't. They just ignored their own rule. Yeah, because it would be and, uh, bad and it, suck. It would, it would be terrible if Vader was bad at the Force because he was a cyborg. We don't need that loss of humanity shit from cyberpunk games making their way into Star Wars where loss of humanity isn't as much of a thing. If you fall to evil, it's because of a moral decision you made, not because you you uh, lost a bit of your humanity by buying yourself a camera eye. Yeah. It feels like a mechanical thing they put in here to punish you for getting a robot arm in case it ha- it came with like extra strength or something, but then they broadly applied it to even your prosthetic limb replacements, and I'm like, why? If there's anything we know about the Force from the original trilogy, it's that you aren't your body. Yep. Remember, it luminous beings of you, luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. Thank you, Yoda. So what are you doing? Why are you doing that other than just to punish players who are like, I want a robot arm. Or punishing players who were like, oh, uh, I got my arm cut off by a guy instead of getting killed. And now they're like, well, I didn't kill you. I only cut off your arm. So now fuck your force using. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that they kept it in the uh, cybernetic section where they mentioned that because I'm like, well, functionally, there's no difference between having a cybernetic arm replacement and having no arm replacement. So if you're just Luke with no arm, you still can't feel your hand. It's not there. So you should have a minus one to force either way but you don't. It's so weird that they're like, oh, it's putting the robotic thing on that fucks you. You could be like, someone could chop off your legs and then you'd still be exactly as good in the force as you normally were, but the second you put a prosthetic on, well, now you suck. Yeah, it's just, it feels like a bad decision that was made like I was saying, without really examining it. Just sort of as a flippant, like, oh, well, what if they get a cybernetic arm? They should probably have some kind of penalty. Minus one to the skill to use the force. It's fine. It's not that big of a deal. Whatever. And it's like, yeah, it kind of is, though, because that's not something that's backed up by Star Wars history or lore. Yeah. So so anyway, I just didn't like that. I felt like it was an unnecessary addition and that it was kind of misreading their own source material. There you go. So would you play this game? Uh... I could, but I wouldn't want to. Honestly, I if I was going to play a Star Wars game, everything I heard about this, I thought this would be the one where I was like, yeah, this will be the Star Wars game I want to play. But no, instead, I'm just like, eh, I'd probably go with the FFG one. It's still yeah. not amazing, but it's at least more interesting as far as results go, so... Nah, I think probably your starting not. character. Yeah, I, I I more or less agree with you. I feel like this one to me is on par with FFG. They're the best two of the Star Wars role playing games, but they're about as good as each other. There's not that much of a difference in choice between the two of them. I feel like the dice mechanics of FFG Star Wars are far more interesting. But I feel like this game gives you a better starting character. Um, the FFG starting characters have like nothing going on. They're yeah, very built true. on slowly building your character up from years and years of experience spending. Yeah, I think um, 
I guess, you know, if I was actually playing a Jedi in this, then I would be more inclined. But even then, I'd be like, it has to be a game of only Jedi. Because I would, even if I was playing as a Jedi, I would feel bad for the guy who's like, I'm a scoundrel. Pew! My turn's done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, granted, a scoundrel could be like, uh, I'm a scoundrel. I bought the heaviest repeating blaster. Pew, 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 pew. Okay, now my turn's done. Yes, but pew, 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 pew. At a minus 10 to all of those, I'm sorry I didn't hit anything. <laughs> you're just fishing for 20s. Yeah, you're just crit fishing. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I'd play this about as much as I would play Star Wars uh, FFG. If anything, I would be far more inclined to to be seeking out a more tactical solution. I would probably reskin 4th edition to match my Star Wars needs based on having read this. Uh, it wouldn't be that hard. I wouldn't need to change anything but names. Be like, oh, I want to make a Jedi. Fine. Are they kind of a tanky Jedi? Then I'm going to use Sword Mage, and I'm just going to change Green Flame Blade out to Lightsaber Lure or something. It'll be fine. Um, so, so yeah, that's probably how I'd do it. Um, I'm a mid on this. If someone was offering to run it, I'd probably say yes, but that's just because I have a, a, a need to roll dice and play Star Wars. There you go. I got an itch, I got an itch that needs scratching. So there you go. Um, but, hey, if you want to hear how to build a Jedi in this game, what Jedi powers are like, or all kinds of other things, there's an easy way for you to do that because we're going to go make characters in the game we just reviewed right over at our Patreon at patreon.com slash systemmastery. That's if right. You... Go ahead. You're fine. Nah, that's fine. No, that's fine. It's fine. You can, t- you can tell the people. Remote, remote recording is so much fun. It's uh, so no, good. It's so good. It's so delicious. Everyone loves it when you can't see the other person. That's a uh, novel. Yeah. Patreon.com slash System Mastery. If you support us at the $2 level, our cheapest level, you'll unlock not only ad-free versions of all of our major shows in one convenient RSS feed, but also the bonus content, our show where we make characters in the game we just reviewed. We talk about them. We introduce you to them. We go through the process a little bit more in-depth than we might have done here on the main episode. Uh, there are also other levels you can unlock. For the $4 level, you unlock our Star Wars Expanded Expounded Universe bonus podcast. And at the $10 level, why you're getting two more shows, you're getting our TV mastery, and you get our Afterthought bonus podcast. There's a lot of good shit out there. So by all means, go support us. And hey, John, why don't you tell them what they do, what they can do if they can't support us? Yeah, times are tough. If you don't have money, we obviously understand that. But if you still want to support the show, you listen to us, you like us. Probably someone else would like us. Maybe. You can go ahead, rate and review us wherever you listen to anything. You know, we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on all those things. Oh, Maybe someone else that. will find us. Stitcher's dead. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> no, Stitcher, they got him. Look what they did to my boy. Look how they massacred my podcast app. Like, I think it might still exist, but it is circling the drain. It sad. is. It is. It is probably going to be dead by the end of the year. So that's a uh, that's a sad story. But yeah, you know, go go do recommendations and leave us nice reviews. And hey, if you want to meet us in person, we're going to be at Big Bad Con, just hanging out. Yeah, we'll also be at New York Comic Con. Yeah, we got an event coming up at New York Comic Con. It'll be our last con appearance of this year. And as of this moment, we now have learned that we're pretty much going to repeat last year again for cons. So next year, if you want to see us, we'll be at. Oh, geez. Uh, Emerald City Comic Con, New York Comic Con, or, uh, Chicago C2E2. We'll be at Gen Con. We'll be at uh, San Diego Comic Con. We will be at PAX Unli- uh, Unplugged. We're going to be all over the place all over next year. So come see us. 
And otherwise, right. it's a Star Wars episode. So to close out, I've been Elan Sleeves Bagano. And I love shooting once and missing. All right, have a good one. 